Lord, thank you for, again, your word. Lord, I just thank you for um, just the those who are showing up at uh, not only this, but this morning and at confirmation, Lord, and just the uh, what you're pouring into us and into the people here, Lord. And so we thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are drawing us together, drawing us to your word. And Lord, the joy that we have as we go through kind of the final uh, moments of your life on earth. Help us to have a greater understanding, Lord. And it wouldn't just be a knowledge. It would be something that impacts us to just looking to you with greater awe and reverence. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right. So um, we kind of got to this whole idea through the there in the garden and... Jesus is trying to get them to watch and pray. And of course, they're having good naps, all that good stuff. Jesus sweat drops of blood, um, which we know from Luke, the physician, is an actual condition that can happen. Um, and so um, where your capillaries break. And so they're in the garden. Um, um, and Jesus kind of says in verse, um, you know, 46, uh, you know, the hour is at hand. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. So he tells them right away, it's, it's happening. Um, and this is it, rise, let us be going. Now, what's interesting is he's not saying, let's run away. He's saying, let's get to it. Let's, let's meet our betrayer. My betrayer's here. Let's get this going. And I think something that's interesting for us to always remember is that even though Jesus prayed, if there's any other way, Lord... But when he, you know, said, but nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Um, and we knew, we know he was going to do it. And one thing that we do notice from the, the crucifixion, which we'll get to in a little bit, was the fact that they were amazed that he was dead already. And I think something that even seeing right here, even, even actually his entrance into Jerusalem, he set his face like a flint. He was determined to go. And right here it says, rise, let's get to it. He was in a hurry to fulfill why he came and to pay the price for our sins. He wanted to get it done. He didn't want to drag it out. He didn't want to, he's like, let's, let's go. And so it's one of those things too, and um, where a preacher used that analogy and, and uh, he said, you know, when you're in conflict, just die quickly. <laughs> Just die quickly. Um, that's what Jesus did. There was conflict between sin and, and us, and he died quickly to deal with it. And so I, I just wanted to point that out before we kind of get on. So we see that, that Judas comes, um, and we see that whole thing, and, and you know we know the story of how Peter is not very bright and tries to take matters into his own hands. And what's interesting to me, Peter just is a little slow, and I appreciate that about Peter. So he chops uh, the servant of uh, Malchus' uh, ear off. And um, some say, well, that's because he wasn't really adept with a sword. Some say whatever. Well, I think he was just being hastily. I think, I think um, he was a fisherman. He wasn't a soldier. Uh, and again, but what's interesting is it wasn't too long ago that God, Jesus, told him, get behind me, Satan. When Jesus said, I'm going to go. I'm going to go die. And Peter says, may it never be so. He says, get behind me, Satan. 
Well, here still Peter's not getting the point, right? He's trying to defend Jesus. Um, and it's one of those things that I realize that we often try to defend Jesus. Um, you know, he doesn't need defending. He's totally capable. Now, you know, and what I mean by defending is we kind of get in the way of Jesus doing what he needs to do. Instead of saying, Jesus, you know, I, he's going to do it. Uh, and so, um, I don't know. Maybe that's just me. I find that we do that. So let's get to um, verse 57. Then those who had seized Jesus led him to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the scribes and the elders had gathered. And Peter was following him at a distance, as far as the courtyard of the high priest. And going inside, he sat with the guards to see the end. Now the chief priests and the whole council were seeking false testimony against Jesus that they might put him to death. But they found none, though many false witnesses came forward. So another thing too, you know, we can give Peter the bad rap and we know that Peter in a moment is going to deny him, right? And say, I don't know who he is. But all the other disciples, save one, um, fled and went into hiding. Peter still followed him. Peter still was trying to figure out what was going on. Now, again, was Peter looking for an opportunity to intercede again? We don't know. Uh, we don't know the intentions. We can't say exactly why he did it. But we can say he didn't flee to the extent that the other ones did. Um, and again, this idea they're seeking false testimony that they might put him. So they're looking for someone to lie about Jesus. Right? That's what they're saying. And no one's coming forward. So that, that, it's an interesting thing. You've got to find some people that are uh, willing to be paid off. But they found none, though many false witnesses came forward. So again, um, they can't find the testimony that Jesus said that was false, but they can find people to, to slander him and lie. At last, two came forward and said, This man said, this is verse 61, I am able to destroy the temple of God and to rebuild it in three days. Again, they didn't understand he was talking about his body. Um, Paul makes that correlation later that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And the high priest stood up and said, have you no answer to make? What is it that these men testify against you? So again, they were saying something correctly, but Jesus is like, I'm not going to even defend myself, right? But Jesus remained silent. And the high priest said to him, I adjure you by the living God. Tell us if you are the Christ, the son of God. Jesus said to him, you have said so. <laughs> Tell us if you're him. You, you said it right now, right? But you, think, <laughs> you think they've done... Uh, Jesus says it is as you say, but the thing of it is, Jesus, when he answers the high priest, I'm not so certain. He says, I adjure you by the living God. I'm wondering uh, that Jesus isn't respecting the authority of the high priest. Uh, I mean, basically, um, I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but uh, he didn't have to answer but he, he you know he does he does choose to answer the high priest well yeah uh, you've said so again jesus is not hiding who he is right now at this point in time remember he's been telling people don't say who i am don't say it and now he's like okay it's time for people for to know he goes but i tell you from now on you will see the son of man seated at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven now again this would have been uh, not necessarily the way that the Messiah would have come. And they're looking for the Messiah to establish power on earth. And he's saying, from now on, you're going to see judgment, is really what he's telling them. 
you're going to see judgment. And he's saying, I'm the one that's going to judge you. They would have known that he claimed to be the Son of Man, which was a title of, of God and the Messiah. So they would have known that. Then the high priest tore his robes and said, he has uttered blasphemy. What further witnesses do we need? You have now heard his blasphemy. What is your judgment? They answered. Now, again, we've got the scribes. We've got the Pharisees and the priests here. He deserves death. Then they spit in his face and struck him and slapped him, saying, Prophesy to us, you you Christ, who is it that struck you? Um, so again, we see it's on at this point in time. They are vehemently striking, spitting um, God himself in the flesh. And it's just a huge picture, in my opinion, of when Adam and Eve took a bite. Slapping God in the face. I, I figure, I look at our nation, I see it, us doing that every day as a, as a, a well, corporately and individually. Let's say mankind has done it yeah. every day since the, yeah. since the original sin. Yeah. Um, we don't need you. We don't want you. Again, this was driven by pride and arrogance. We have it together. You have to come and serve us the way we interpret Scripture. Mm-hmm. The way we say you come. And God's like, uh, but you guys got it wrong. So why are we going to do that? Because why would it do? It would exalt them. It would exalt them. And all he's done is come and really challenge them and tell them they're wrong. We don't like to be told that we're wrong. We don't. We hate it. I hate it. (laughs) Especially when I think I'm right. And the person who tells me I'm wrong, you know, actually is right. (laughs) But I hate it. Yeah. I hate it. Now Peter was sitting outside, verse 69, in the courtyard, and a servant girl came up to him and said, You also were with Jesus the Galilean. But he denied it before them, all saying, I do not know what you mean. And when he went out to the entrance, another servant girl saw him, and she said to the bystanders, This man was with Jesus of Nazareth. And again he denied it with an oath. I do not know the man. I swear on my mother's grave, type thing, right? (laughs) I did not do that. After a little while, the bystanders came up and said to Peter, Certainly you too are one of them, for your accent betrays you. Then he began to invoke a curse on himself and to swear, I do not know the man. So this would have been um, basically... Have you ever met those people who just keep saying it over and over again? And, And you're like, you're just trying to convince yourself. But you know that you know the man. And he was just getting exercised. He was getting more upset. Now, again, he was watching, but he saw what they were doing to, his, to Jesus. They saw him getting spit on. They saw him saying he needs to die. And so there's some fear that is setting in. Um, all his friends have left and fled from fear. And now he's seeing, well, maybe they were right. And so he doesn't want to get called out because, again... Um, it would have been that if you're connected to him, a good chance is you're going to suffer the same fate as he. So he says, I, I'm not the, I, I don't know him. And immediately the rooster crowed, verse 75. What, I was going to say, what, what, what do you think, the, uh, not in defense of uh, Peter, but uh, on the just uh, survival mode of fight or flight? I mean, one, one thing, he pulls out his sword to defend Jesus, cut off an ear, but I'm just saying, in our, you know, when you're caught up in the thing of, uh, of fear and you're not walking in faith, it's easy to you know, defend yourself and not, not even be thinking. It's just a, an automatic response. 
Yeah, I mean, Pete, I love Peter. I'm glad he's oh, there yeah. because he displays all yeah. the all the problems we Sorry. struggle with. Go ahead. <laughs> right? I mean, and, and and you're right. A lot of times people come against us and we don't think about it. We 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 self-preserve, which is what he's doing here. And Peter remembered the saying of Jesus before the rooster crows, you will deny me 3 times, and he went out and wept bitterly. And so it's one of these things again. This is a simple little commentary that I love. Um, Jesus told him this was going to happen. And he goes, no, I'm not. I'm never going to do this. You know, how many times have we said, oh, I will serve you forever. I'll, I'll do this for you. I'll never deny you. And then he's like, and, and the Spirit's like, yeah, you will. <laughs> I mean, I, and, and I think God is great because I think he, he goes, I know you don't want to. I get that. But I understand your flesh. I know you. And so don't, and so I always, I would say, be careful to make declarative statements of what you will do for God or what you won't do for God. You know, because we see this. You know, Peter's like, I'm going to do this. And God's like, no, he won't. Um, you know, and so I think it's important for us to realize that, um, but I love the fact that he went out and wept bitterly. Uh, I think and, that reveals his heart. Well, I think it's interesting. It does reveal his heart, but I think it's interesting. Now we look at it in the context of the resurrected Christ. When we look at him weeping bitterly right now, there was despair. There was, I let the Messiah down. Um, I'm worse. And we kind of see his actions in a little bit. You know what? I'm just going to go back to fishing. I, I thought I had something. I thought I was right. Apparently, I'm just a big dunce. And, but we see also that he truly loved Jesus. He truly loved the man. And we'll call him the man because, again, even though he made some of these great statements, you're Christ, the Son of the living God, right? <laughs> and he's like, oh, hey, you know, your flesh didn't tell you that, but the Spirit told you that. Um, and so I think that, you know, where else can we go? And, and again, this is very close to this. Where else should we go? You have the words of eternal life. And now they're following him, and he's going to be killed. And they're like, uh... I've left, and we even hear Peter saying, we've left our family and everything to follow you. And now, where does that leave him? So he weeps bitterly um, because he truly loved Jesus and his whole world has been completely turned upside down. And I, and I always want to encourage us, there are moments in our lives where, where Jesus doesn't act the way that we want him to or that we expect him to um, and things happen in our lives that completely in that moment turn everything upside down I, I, and a lot of it for me anyway typically has been because of my own sin and the consequences of that and, and, and I sit there and I go man I can't believe I've done that and, and my world is turned upside down and I'm like I don't know now the spirit comes in, gives you peace, and says, I'm going to take care of you. But you just feel in that moment, <laughs> how could I? How could I? God, you're so good. How could I have done this? And I think Peter is, I think that's some of what Peter is experiencing. He's like, how could I have done this? I was going to say, you uh, time and time again over the last five years have said it, I don't know how many hundreds of times. The flesh avails nothing. We, in our flesh, we're capable of anything. Yeah, Lord, have mercy, right? Amen. So chapter 27. 
when morning came, so the, okay, so they're in the garden. We know it's getting nighttime. They're falling asleep. They come with torches. It shows you. Some commentators believe that this happened around midnight, one o'clock in the morning. So by the time we got to Caiaphas, Caiaphas's, Caiaphas, anyway, uh, the high priest's house, it would have been maybe two in the morning, right? So I mean, it, it, it's a long night. It's a long night. When the morning came, all the chief priests and elders of the people took counsel against Jesus to put him to death. So. Here's something that we're not told. Did they go to sleep? Or do they continue to talk about it? And now in the morning, here's the decision. We don't know. It doesn't matter, right? And they bound him and led him away and delivered him over to Pilate the governor. Now just remember, this is what they have been wanting to do. I mean, these guys are like, finally, we're going to get rid of this guy. And we're going to restore order to where we have all the power. That's really what's happening here. But what's interesting is when we look at what they had to do, it shows you they don't hold all the cards. They don't have all the power because what do they do? They deliver him to Pilate, who is the Roman governor of the area, who is going to, they can't do anything with Jesus unless he says so. So um, we're all under authority. Okay. Then when Judas, his betrayer, saw that Jesus was condemned, he changed his mind and brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders, saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. They said, what is that to us? See to it yourself. And throwing down the pieces of silver into the temple, he departed and he went and hanged himself. But the chief priest, taking the pieces of silver, said, it is not lawful to put them into the treasury since it is blood money. Now, (laughs) they're proving that Jesus was innocent because yeah. that's the only reason why they would call it blood money and, and not be able to go back to the treasury. It's been defiled because they used it for something wrong. Well, they're also declaring they're guilty of sin. Sure, they are. Yeah, exactly. So they took counsel and bought with them the potter's field as a burial place for strangers. Therefore, the field has been called the field of blood to this day. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah, saying, And they took the thirty pieces of silver, the price of him on whom a price had been set by some of the sons of Israel, and they gave them for the potter's field as the Lord directed me. So Matthew's going, hey, here's here's fulfillment of that. Jesus was sold for thirty pieces of silver, and they bought a potter's field. Um, And uh, again, so here's a question. Where is Judas, the betrayer, today? That, uh, see, when you were reading that, I was going, isn't it said that when you commit suicide, you've taken your own life and you don't go to heaven? But if he repented and then killed himself, wouldn't he be able to be saved? It's a great question. And, and then... We're not the judges of it. Yeah. There's only one judge. Yeah. So guess what? We'll find out when we all go. And we won't care. But um, <laughs> so again, most most scholars would would believe that he is not in heaven. Most scholars would believe that. Um, I would not say either way. You know, you have to go. What 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 repentance? What form of repentance or what level of repentance, whatever you want to call it, uh, gives you forgiveness? Right. We don't know. Yes, is it, is it God's will that someone take their own life? I would say no. 
But do people take their own lives who are still in heaven? I would say yes. There's moments where the flesh is overwhelming and you give in to the flesh. Um, and sometimes when you give into the flesh, it has different consequences than other times when you give into the flesh. I was going to say sometimes yeah. uh, you mentally, emotionally might be stable or unstable. Right. I mean, right. I, I was just or emotionally, uh, physical, yeah. spiritually. I mean, there's, there's, uh, there's. It's more. It's bigger. That's a bigger question than you just want to maybe tackle. It's least. above my pay grade. Thank you. Okay, so. We'll leave that in the Lord's hands, right? Um, so now, verse 11. Now Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus said, Oh, you just said it. I mean, and that's really what he's saying. He's not saying, you know, it says, You have said so. What he's saying is, um, I'm confirming that you just said it. And basically he's saying, Yeah, I am. But you said it, not me, right? Even though, anyway, again, it's on. Jesus is like, I'm, I'm going, let's go. Um, but when um, he was accused by the chief priests and elders, he gave no answer. Then Pilate said to him, do you not hear how many things they testify against you? By the way, sometimes we can learn from Jesus. When people, when people bear false testimony against us, it's hard for us to keep our mouth shut. Or it's hard for us not to respond on Facebook, right? <laughs> so... Um, but he gave him no answer, not even to a single charge, so that the governor was greatly amazed. Twofold. Jesus is set to do what he came to do. So, you know, if you could say, hey, this talk is just getting in the way from me getting it done. Right? Let me get to the cross. Let's do this. Verse 15. Now at the feast, the governor was accustomed to release for the crowd any one prisoner whom they wanted. And they had then a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. So when they had gathered, Pilate said to them, Whom do you want me to release for you, Barabbas or Jesus, who is called Christ? Now what's interesting is, before we get a little further on this, is there's a reason why these notorious. So Pilate presents to them the two most well-known prisoners to the people. And he, everybody would have known Jesus. Everyone probably would have known Barabbas. Barabbas was a political leader, a murderer, a, an insurrection type guy. He was like this political... Um, I'm trying to think of, of, uh, of somebody in our day that we could think of, a Desmond Tutu, uh, except Desmond Tutu was a good guy, so I don't, I, so I don't, I don't want to put those two together. Uh, but you know, the guys... That, who's the dude that... The, the Oklahoma bomber? Uh, no, yeah, sure. Who's the dude, though, the... Uh, that always gets arrested around here. Ammon, whatever his name is. Oh, yeah. You yeah. Know. Right, yeah. I like him. Right. But, but again, this would have been somebody who was always trying to cause upheaval in the government and whatnot. They would have known him. Okay. So he presents these two. Again, I, I think, I really think that Pilate was hoping they would say, release Jesus. Uh, I, you know, we know that Pilate cared more about the opinion of people than he did about God, but he also uh, knew that, as we learn from verse 18, for he knew that it was out of envy that they delivered him up. So he's like, they're not, these guys are not delivering Jesus based upon really good facts. They're, they're delivering Jesus based upon the fact that, again, Jesus is becoming more popular than them. What do you think about um, 14 says, but he answered him not one word. So the governor marveled greatly. You know, they're, they're wanting to, he's before death over there. It's a capital crime that, that they're, you know, this uh, talking about. 
and, and I, I could just see Pontius Pilate. This cat hasn't said a word. Right. I mean... Well, and some of it is, I think that we look at this narrative, verse 19, besides, while he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent word to him. Oh, yeah. So, you know, I, I, I think that he, there's something about Jesus that he's like, you know, I don't know if I want to be responsible for this. Uh, and so, and she says to him, have nothing to do with that righteous man. Now, again, an interesting term for a Roman to use mm-hmm. uh, that would have indicated to to Pilate. to Pilate that this is a man who is innocent and without sin. So she can, she she sends that to him. She goes, "For I have suffered much because of him today in a dream." Now the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas and destroy Jesus. And I don't know. I think it is um, the Passion of the Christ that really depicts this really well. It shows them kind of walking through the crowd. Now, some, you know, some of it is, is, looks like you know, their depiction of Satan too, whispering into people's ears mm-hmm. and things like this. Um, I think it was a little more demonstrative than that, but they persuaded them. Now, again, they still have power. So, you know, hey, you guys want things back to the way it was? You, you, you know? What what I give you? Who knows what they were saying? But they persuaded them, the crowd to ask for Barabbas and to destroy Jesus. It wasn't just release Barabbas. So you need to realize because Pontius Pilate presents the two. Hey, I'm supposed to release somebody. Do you want me to release Barabbas or Jesus, who is called Christ? Doesn't say. Do you want me to kill Jesus? But yet, what does the, the, the chief priests and scribes, they convince the people to say, release Barabbas and destroy the Christ, which was not what was asked of them. Interesting. The governor again said to them, which of the two do you want me to release for you? He's like, hey, are you sure about this? He's like, let me ask you again. He wasn't deaf. And they said, Barabbas. Pilate said to them, then what shall I do with Jesus who is called Christ? So Pilate is still trying to preserve the life of Jesus here. Again, out of fear of his wife, out of fear of, of other things. There's reasons why. Again, there's something about Jesus that Pilate recognizes. And they said, Barabbas, Pilate said to them, what shall I do? They, said, they all said, let him be crucified. And he said, why? What evil has he done? But they didn't answer him. They just shouted all the more, crucify him. Again, and I always like to contrast this, and I don't want to belabor this too much, but the same people that about five days before said, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna, save now, they're saying crucify. Uh, we, are, as people, are very easily swayed. I was going to say one of the things that I remember an evangelist who was talking about every wise man listens to the wise counsel of his wise wife. He uses this proof text over there. <laughs> so he, Pilate over there, you know, we, we, he's in perpetuity over there, suffered under Pontius Pilate. I mean, he, the government of, of a time and place. But I was just going to say his wife, God, uh, gave him an opportunity <clears throat> where he, he defended, uh, where the wife would have uh, let him off the hook. He chose a wrong choice. Well, I don't know. Well, I, 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 think, I think Pilate does everything to he, be, he still can. be in good standing with his wife. But I think it's more than that. I think he, he, I, I think he recognizes. Oh, yeah. I think he recognizes. But again, Pilate is more concerned about his popularity and his position than he is about whether or not what's happening is, is just. 
So, verse 24, so when Pilate saw that he was gaining nothing, okay, the crowd's not moving. I'm trying to move them towards Barabbas. I'm trying to, to keep Jesus alive. But rather, than, but rather that a riot was beginning, so the crowd's getting out of control, he took water and washed his hands before the crowd, saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. See to it yourselves. Now, that would have been a political statement that I am not condemning this person to death. It's the will of the people. Mine says, I am, uh, it says, uh, and he washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. Just you see to it. I never caught that before. Yep. Yep. I mean, he's declaring this, this, this cat has done nothing. Right. And all the people answered in great ignorance, his blood be on us and on our children. Whoa. And before we get too judgy, there, this is the representation of all humanity and how they view Jesus Christ. Again, if you don't believe he's God, these are words. His blood be on us and our children. What difference does it make? Well, it, it's just a dude. It, well, that, so, you, know, you can say that, but the thing of it is, whether you believe, if you believe or you don't believe, that, that, that declaration there... Uh, whether you're Jew and you want to blame them for the, let his blood be on us. But if we don't want to accept Christ, that's on us too. No, absolutely. I mean, again, um, also we see, as many studies have talked about, crowd mentality. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, you get caught up and you don't want to look at, and um, uh, what, there's been a recent show or something where they come out and they're, they, they watch people and they're, asking one person to go against what everybody is doing and, and more often than not the person will not um, so I mean oh, it's that one game show where they where there's two teams and they get paired up with a um, celebrity and they're asked whether it's whether these three things that are said or if they're real or no not that, I'm not thinking or, of that show no that's snake oil that, that's not what I'm talking about <laughs> That's not what I'm talking about. There's a, it's an actual scientific study that they've oh, been showing. Okay. So, okay. Um, so then he, that is Pilate, released for them Barabbas, and having scourged Jesus, delivered him to be crucified. Okay, so again, this the reason he had him scourged was to save face. He couldn't just and and there's there's two reasons. He 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 was trying to calm the crowds. And he couldn't just send back Jesus to prison without doing something. And, and some of what many of us believe is that he scourged him thinking that that would appease everybody and he wouldn't be crucified. Well, we, we scourged him. So scourging um, is kind of explained a little bit in the next verses, then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the governor's quarters and they gathered the whole battalion before him and they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him and twisted together a crown of thorns and they put on his head and put a reed in his right hand and kneeling before him, they mocked him saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they spit on him and took the reed and stuck and struck him on the head. And when they had mocked him, they stripped him of the robe and put his own clothes on him and they led him away to crucify him. Now, there's some things that aren't included in here, which we have in the other Gospels. So they would have put this crown of thorns on his head, and every time they struck his head, the thorns would have dug more into the, into the scalp, right? 
Scourging usually included, um, they would put him on a post, you know, where his hands are on a post, and he'd be on his knees and his back would be arched, and they would um, rip his flesh with what we call the cat of nine tails, typically these nine pieces of leather that had either pottery, glass shards on it, that were jagged, and every time he hit it, flesh would be ripped up. Then they put the robe on him, and then they'd rip the robe off of him, and that would have just pulled all the flesh that was left off the back. And so they plucked his beard, they spit on him, and they did all these things, and were told that he was unrecognizable. Now, before we get much further, this has led, because they say because he was unrecognizable, this has led to some interesting theories about how, well, it wasn't really then Jesus on the cross. Because he was unrecognizable, so how do you know he really was there if you couldn't recognize him? Okay, eyewitnesses' account followed Jesus when they could recognize him to the point where he wasn't recognized. So we discount those silly, silly things out there. I was going to so. say one of the things you were talking about scourging over there, uh, and I don't know whether your Bible says it, but they were talking in the. In the the comments over there, many people didn't even survive at the scourge, right, let right. alone the crucifixion. Yeah, so, yeah, the cat of nine tails would have been 39 lashes. So, um, they had, Romans were smart. They had worked out that, that, and you hear Paul use this, he goes, how many times he had been, he had been whipped, uh, 39 minus, well, 40 less one. Right. 39 times. They, they worked out that if you go 40 times, that'll probably kill them. The probability of killing them was at the number 40. So if we do 39, there's a greater chance he might make it. Um, these guys were experts at torturing and killing people, and they got off on it. Well, the Romans, I mean, <laughs> someone was telling me the Romans didn't have that law. The, it was mercy, uh, considered mercy to have 39 and not 40, the number of judgment. But I was just thinking if the Romans didn't have that, uh, when he when pastor says he's unrecognizable, I'm just thinking uh, it probably is pretty accurate. Yeah. Yeah. So as they went out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name. This is verse 32. They com- or, yeah, 32. They compelled this man to carry his cross. And when they came to a place of the skull, Gagatha, which is in the place of the skull, they offered him wine to drink mixed with gall. But when he tasted it, he would not drink it. Now, what's interesting is... Matthew is really condensing a lot of stuff. And so we look at the other Gospels to know a little more of what's going on. So why did they compel a man coming from the fields, from a different place, uh, to carry the cross of Christ? Now, it wouldn't have been the cross like we see on the wall. It would have been just the cross beam that they were going to hang him on and they would have strapped it on his back and he would have carried it like you carry a big piece of lumber or your kid, right? (laughs) Carry him like this. Well, he was so weak from the scourging. Scourging didn't happen in a few minutes. It was a process. It It took up to four hours for them to scourge you and to beat you and to do all these things. Begin, um, I would say, personal belief here, it was a less scourging, two reasons, as far as less time. Wasn't a less scourging, but less time. Two reasons. The crowds need to be appeased. Jesus wanted to die quickly because it's another reason why I believe when water and blood came out of the side that they were surprised that he was dead already because I think that they're like, well, that scourging was only a couple hours. So that's just a thought of mine, a theory. It's not gospel truth. doesn't matter. Um, so they compel this guy because Jesus was too weak. He couldn't carry it anymore. 
he had been scourged and he was tired. And so they take him to Golgotha and they offer him wine to drink mixed with gall. Uh, gall is... Um, I looked it up one time, but I don't have my phone. Yeah, it's, it's, um, it's basically the acid from the stomach of usually pigs. Um, and so they would use it to, um, to sometimes um, uh, as an antiseptic. Oh. Mixed with gall. Let's right. think what gall is. Right. Gallbladder. Yeah, yeah. So it, it's, it's but that. but it was used as a that comes from the gallbladder. So there's a couple things we need to know. It was used as antiseptic also. It also was used as a hallucinogen and a painkiller. And so one thing we recognize here, not only did Jesus say to the disciples, I won't drink of the fruit of the vine until I'm with you in paradise or in heaven, um, he also doesn't want to numb the pain of what he's going to feel on our behalf. So Again, if he would have taken it, we could go, oh, well, Jesus took the easy way out and, and you know, got, got some, uh, as we would call it today, you know, some fentanyl in him or some morphine or something, right? No, he didn't. Uh, and so when we look at that drink, wine drink mixed with gall was typically used as something that would help them um, through the pain of the crucifixion. And when they had crucified him, they divided his garments among them by casting lots. Now, why they didn't divide the garments... They didn't tear the garments. They cast lots to take the garments, the whole garments. And that was to fulfill scripture that his garment stayed intact. So then they sat down and kept watch over him there. And over his head, they put the charge against him. Now we know Pilate was the one who did this, which read, this is Jesus, King of the Jews. Okay. So again, we look to the other gospel accounts, and this is why I was talking about vantage point, you know, when we're talking about experience. This is how Matthew kind of experienced it. This is all he, he all this stuff, and all this happened, this happened, this happened. Well, we have, you know, Mark, and we have John, and especially Luke, who really go into a lot more detail um, about what was happening. We know that Pilate put it up there and he was told, don't put that sign up there. And Pilate says, what I have said, I've said. You know, it's just said that they, they wanted him to say, well, this man says he is the king of the Jews. Pilate put that he was the king of the Jews. Another truth that was put up there. Then the two robbers, then two robbers were crucified with him, one on the right and one on the left. Now, again, what we need to understand, historically, we recognize it wasn't just the three on the hill. There would have been uh, probably over 20 people being crucified at once. Um, but again, what matters to us are the three that are talked about. Because who cares about the other ones, right? <laughs> I mean, but it was a thing. It's what they did. It, it's crucifying time. And everyone from the city would come outside to see the hill where these crosses were. And people were being killed. Um, again. So the two robbers were crucified with him, one on the right and one on the left. And that's why, by the way, that's why it says one on the right and one on the left, because the, the reader wants to know, well, which two robbers? Because again, there would have been more than just the three crosses. Oh, one on the right and one on the left. Okay. And those who passed by derided him, wagging their heads and saying, you would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days. Save yourself. Well, just wait. He's going to rebuild the temple. Hold on. In three days, he's going to rise again. He goes, if you are the son of God, come down from the cross. So also the chief priests and the scribes and elders mocked him, saying, he saved others. He cannot save himself. He is the king of Israel. Let him come down from the cross and we will believe him. He trusts in God. Let God deliver him now if he desires him. 
For he said, I am the Son of God. And the robbers who were crucified with him also reviled him in the same way. Interesting comment really quick before we get much further. So again, they're appealing to who Jesus said he was. Okay, And they're not appealing that he couldn't do these things. Um, but they're using it, the fact that he's not doing these things as evidence that he's not who he says it is. But even they, they call him the king of the Jews. I'm wondering uh, over there, um, as I read that, I wonder how much of that is demonically uh, in, inspired in the people's minds that are charging them. You know, well, yeah, I mean, you know, Satan's whole mission was to kill the Son of God. And again, you know, he's called the great deceiver. I believe he has even deceived himself to some degree. And we see that in this moment. We think that he's one, or he thinks he has. But verse 44, and the robbers who were crucified with him also reviled him in the same way. So here's one of the things. We always have this idea that one robber was being rude and the other one wasn't. Well, at, at the beginning, they were both go, going along with it. Now, again, theory here. <laughs> the longer you hang on the cross, maybe your reviling of somebody is uh, is lessened, and your ability to be um, angry with somebody or you know accuse somebody, you might start feeling a little humble the longer you're on a cross. Okay, verse forty five. Now, from the sixth hour, there was darkness over the land. This would have been around noon until the ninth hour. So, middle of the day. Um, historians who were there talk about how it was a sunny day. And then it was dark, pitch dark, darker than the darkest night for these hours, these three hours. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lemma sabachthani. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Just really quick. Psalm 22. Just quickly. Yeah. Verse 1, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now, this, this continues to go through. My bones are out of joint. Uh, my heart melts like wax. You've pierced. They look at me. They mock me. They've pierced my hands and my feet. So, anyway, Jesus is just continuing his mission. And some of the bystanders hearing it said, this man is calling Elijah. And one of them at once ran and took a sponge filled with sour wine and put it to the reed and gave it to him to drink. Now, it does not say that he drank it. I just want you to understand that. They gave it to him to drink, but he, we know he said he was not going to drink of the vine. So, um, but the other said, wait. Okay, so uh, again, it never got to him. So we knew he wasn't going to, we knew he was going to refuse it anyway. Um, said, wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to save him. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook, and the rocks were split. The tombs also were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. When the centurion and those who were with him, keeping watch over Jesus, saw the earthquake and what took place, they were filled with awe and said, Truly, this was the Son of God. These guys had killed a lot of guys before. And none of this ever happened. So they're like, uh, and, he, and it happened right after he yelled. And they would have heard, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And we know from other scriptures, what, what he really yelled was, it is finished. Okay. 
So, and again, what's great about God's word is he tells us these kind of weird things, but yet historians say, oh yeah, this all happened. <laughs> veil, top to bottom, thick veil. Jesus broke the, the, the separation between God and man, shook the earth, resurrection was shown in those who rose from the grave. People saw it walking. Well, <laughs> except the bodies of the saints who have were raised and they were coming out. We don't know what, what you know, they appeared to many. Yeah, appeared saying, to many. I was just saying that. Uh, well, we don't, yeah, yeah. When it says that, 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 when it I forget how the dimensions of it, but the veil of the temple is four to six inches thick. Yeah. On the thing, it says 12 a yoke of oxen or a huge amount of oxen could rip that apart. Right. I said, that's that far. That's yeah. all, that's a thick big, material. Thick, well, I mean, you're talking about layers. Great was the separation between God and man until Jesus tore the veil. I'm just, I'm amazed so. at that type of... Um, so verse 55, there were also many women there looking on from a distance who had followed Jesus from Galilee, ministering to him. So it's interesting because you see these, these artists' renditions of the cross, and you see the women right there at the bottom of the cross. Um, probably not accurate. Um, they would have been watching from a distance. Again, Kudos to them, though. Well, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, talk about faithful. I'm just thinking uh, in the, the scriptural accounts, it says many of the women supported the disciples oh, yeah. of Jesus. I was just thinking... Uh, we might what, need some... a, what a blessing to, to uh, 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 you girls did good. Yeah. Just like the names. their crew. <laughs> it was their crew. Yeah. yeah. Among, among these women were Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Joseph and the mother of the sons of Zebedee. Interesting. Rem- I wonder if the mother of the sons of Zebedee remembers how she coaxed her boys into saying, which one of them will be great in the kingdom and can they sit on his right and his left? And Jesus said, I don't think they can handle what, you know. And they're like, yeah, we can drink of that. I wonder if she's looking up and seeing the two people on his right and his left and going, oh, whoops. Oh, boy. <laughs> and, but, yeah, she's there. So, well, You know, when you read Revelation, I, I do a, try to do a chapter a day. I'm just thinking of the, of the, the people sitting on the thrones. Uh, I don't know what position of the thrones are, but uh, she gets and she gets answered. They're still all looking to Jesus. So, still all looking to Jesus. verse fifty-seven. When it was evening, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who also was a disciple of Jesus. He went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then Pilate ordered it to be given to him, and Joseph took the body and wrapped it in a clean linen shroud and laid it in his own tomb, which he had cut in the rock. And he rolled the great stone to the entrance of the tomb and went away. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were there sitting opposite the tomb. The next day, that is, after the day of preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered before Pilate and said, Sir, we remember how that imposter said, While he was still alive, after three days I will rise. Therefore order the tomb to be made secure until the third day, lest his disciples go and steal him away and tell the people he has risen from the dead, and the last fraud will be worse than the first. Pilate said to them, You have a guard of soldiers. Go make it as secure as you can. So they went and made the tomb secure by sealing the stone and setting a guard. Now, a couple of things that we need to understand here. Um, There was enough of what Jesus had said that made them go, you know, his, his followers are kind of crazy. 
we want to prevent. We want to prevent. So sealing the tomb would have, would be equivalent to what we would consider, um, you know, mortar between bricks. They would have sealed it. I mean, it wasn't. It wasn't like. Um, hey, people are going to go in there again, which is another thing that is interesting when Mary, um, when we get to the the next day, which will be um, two weeks from now, is that they're like, well, who's going to remove the stone? Because it wasn't just rolled and it was a big stone. It was also sealed. So there's more to it than just it was rolled in front. Oh, we just need to get it rocking and we can move it back. No, it was sealed. Um, and so, and then it was guarded. And so there's a lot of this goes into this. But I find it interesting that when we try to deny Christ, we will then go further and try to make um, other provisions that prevent us from having to deal with Christ and, and who he really is. And when we reject, I mean, how many of you have had friends who have rejected Christianity and then they kind of double down on that rejection the next time you see them or something. Or you're like, they're very threatened by, by what we have to say. Um, and so they, they overcorrect or overdefend, whatever you want to call it. Um, but what's great about that is God's not bound by their defense. He can I was, still I was do that. I going to say the one thing I thought was uh, uh, interesting <clears throat> and instructive over there is man's uh, deceptive heart over there where we get the things like the swoon theory. Jesus didn't really die on the cross, that uh, basically he just passed out, and then he resuscitated in the cool thing. Where most people are, are, if you know anything about history, those guard, that guard they put in front of it, they would have died. Or you come around there and you're messing around, uh, they yeah. would have put the hurt on you. Well, and, and the other challenge with, with even, even with the fear that the disciples were going right. to come take the body is, what did the disciples do? Yeah, they ran. They took off. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and two, when you think about how this account in the, in the Word of God is likened to Jonah and the big fish, I mean, that in itself was a miracle that a man was swallowed by a big fish. I don't you know. know. So, I think mean, a big fish at, that can do that. that, that you, that's look at, you look at how Not this... This is in itself saying it was a miracle that he was raised from the dead. Can I mean, this is, a, this is a work of God. Yeah, so again, when we talk about sealing the tomb, it would have been one of those things. So typically, right, person, rich man has a tomb and, and more than he's supposed to go in it. We're talking family and whatnot. But to seal the tomb means that no one else is going in there. Ever. Because again, right, he stinketh. Yeah. Uh, right? And so, and so again, um, we... Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, I, there would have been a lot, of, a lot of, of blood mud on the ground around there. So anyway, um, we will finish the... Re- the re- I mean, it's kind of funny because Matthew just kind of at the end here gets very quick and I think what we see is well I think Matthew was wanting to get to the resurrection yeah. I think it was hard uh, speculation I, you know uh, but I think this was hard for them to recount 
And that's why it took somebody like Luke, who was a historian and a physician that wasn't there and wasn't at the time following Jesus when all this happened to process it so that we can get some of those details that these guys just were overwhelmed with and couldn't handle. Um, and, and so, I mean, again, the human condition. These guys were people. I think sometimes that, for me anyway, I don't look at the disciples as guys like us, right? I don't look at the women that attended as, as people, as women like you, you know? I, I always exalt them a little bit to being, you know, greater than they, than they were. And yet, you, you know, if we have a story to tell, of course, we're a little weird. We like to talk about the bad stuff. But, um, but you know, if we're talking resurrection, let's get to the resurrection, yeah, they beat, they beat this person. They, they, they hung him on the cross. He, said, he yelled out and, and, and gave up his last, and they buried him in a tomb. But then he rose, right? I mean, that's how I would tell it. Now let's talk about the resurrection. And so I think that that's really how a lot of these guys are processing it, just human condition. Um, and that's why God is so faithful to take someone like Luke and say, let me fill in some details for you a little bit mm-hmm. so that we're not just saying, oh, okay, well, it happened and he rose. Well, to Sharon's point over there, you know, you talk about the stench, the, the horror, the, the, the growth. Well, I don't know how many of you have been in, it would probably, I wouldn't think any of you, but anyway, when there's animals being butchered, mm-hmm. a lot of them. It does not smell good. It, no. Warm blood yeah. is horrible. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and you had, like you said, how many could have been up yeah. there. Yeah. And they would probably all been scourged to some yep. extent. They yep. were all, and okay, when you're scourged, you're urinating on yourself. Yep. Yeah. Other things. Absolutely. Yourself. Absolutely. The stench of it yeah. was, and people came and watched. How gory. That's the human condition. I was going to No, say. I just, no. Well, yeah. yeah. I, well, well, but it's you a think, visual aid I, of I was going to say, you think about how. I couldn't. No, not Just you, within, I mean, our country is still young compared to other countries. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. And in the beginning of our country, we didn't have refrigeration. Mm-hmm. We didn't have, we had... We also hung people and people came and watched. Yeah. You know? yeah, hanged, excuse me, after you spot your English. We hanged. And when you think about... The paper. Yeah. yeah. Like when our kids, when our kids went to India, there were markets that they had to walk by as they went yeah. to their offices. Our son pretty much became a vegetarian and, while was, and, during his time in and, India because of the smell of the market. And yeah, well, and what he would watch of them do to chickens and but things I think, as he walked by. Oh yeah, well, and that you know, people spot my dogs. So when you look at the because they're Chinese, and there's actual you can go there now too and see. The crustids are hanging there okay. upside down. Yeah, so I think that's... I mean, it's, what, that's, that's their thing. It's interesting. But it's just, I just, oh. It's interesting because, and it should be appalling to us, and it should be offensive to us, um, but often I think we make statements, in the, oh, praise the Lord, in our sanitized culture. We are sanitized. Right. You, you know, to where you probably would have been in one of those who, like, yeah, you know, I'll stay far away. I would have just um, but, but, <laughs> but the reality man. is, is if it's what you grow up with and it's what you do, yeah. and, and especially if you're a Roman, it would have been, oh, yeah, just another day. The historical aspect of that over there, uh, 
this is the crucifixion of Christ, but in 70 AD, uh, they have got several history books of the number of, I forget how many hundreds of thousands that were crucified on the way to Rome yeah. over there. Uh, after, after the destruction of the temple, there was a persecution and it was not uncommon to see not not one. I mean, women, kids, children. I mean, it was horrendous. It was a. It was a. It begs. I. It was begs description. Well, Nero used to light his garden at night with yep, yep. Christians on poles yep, that were tar, doused in tar. in tar and some other well, accelerants. Well, come to this country and they did it to the Indians. Yeah, I mean, there, there's a, there's I lots mean, of history. It's just yeah. But they did scout people. That was probably a pretty hard way to lose your hair yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. but you think of um too as i was as i was looking at this i mean as a jew you know um what you were talking about matthew how some of these disciples were very like okay i'm gonna just run kind of run through this whereas luke was very descriptive i mean as a jew too you're you know, they're probably having to watch what it is that they write and say compared mm. to Luke, who was Luke a was Greek. A, Luke was a Jew also. He was? Mm-hmm. So, um, I thought he was. There's, there's debate. Yeah. So I, I, um, he had access. He had access to places with Paul <clears throat> that I don't think a Greek would have had. Exactly. So anyway. <laughs> So um, it, that's, a, that's a different discussion. But again, Luke was a known historian and, and a physician, and he served, and he would have been able... Again, he, Luke comes in and interviews people um, that were there. And we're, we're watching Matthew and guys like this. They, they were all emotional about this whole thing because they'd followed this guy for three and a half years. And now he's hanging on a cross, and they thought they were going to be part of this whole, you know, uh, Messiah establishing his kingdom. And and so I think that um, again, uh, Matthew uh, and Mark and John, I think they were very intentional about what they could write. And so that's why you see more detail. I mean, Matthew gives a lot of detail of certain things. But you get to hear, and every time you get to the, the crucifixion with Mark and Matthew and John, you don't get details like you get with Luke. And I think, again, they were running in fear. They were watching from a distance. And well, so I, I think that I there's a lot do, of... Yeah, I do wonder, though. I mean, when you look at some of the um, the laws within, um, you know, like, um, oh... Where's Le- Leviticus? Uh, yeah, but you've got to realize these these guys that wrote priestly. this were kicked out of the Ju- of, out of Judaism, so oh, okay. they were writing to Christian Jews. They were writing to the church when they wrote these gospels. But they would have been raised as. Oh yeah, they were raised as Jews. Yeah, right. but they rejected so, that for Jesus. But I just wonder if there wasn't an you know like a. Um, a cultural within that Jewish culture of okay these are things that I just don't speak of mm. I don't go into deep detail of as a yeah no I don't I don't, I I don't know. know I don't it, know it's just a thought I think that's why God gave us Luke um, is so that we could because again I think these guys were in such turmoil um, it's kind of like you know uh, talking to our son 
about his accident. You know, he's in the middle of his accident, and every time you talk to him, you hear a little bit more of the story. Right. He doesn't really know how he got out, but he got out the back. And, and so, again, in the middle of it, right. you know, right. and then all these, all these things. So all these things I, I think on. that, um, right. yeah. And again, God, God's like, okay, this is how Matthew saw it, and this is all Matthew wrote. Um, but I got, I got some other guys that I'm going to bring.